We've got as far as verse 4. We're moving at breakneck speed here in chapter 1. Well, let's read down to verse 13 today. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. That brings us to where we are today. And in Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we come to this part of this preamble, this introduction that John is giving to get our attention on the word, on the creator, on the light. And that's the one who he will focus on throughout His gospel, again, so different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And as he comes to these verses now, he's going to begin to talk to us about light and darkness. Um, Then he's going to talk about those who will not receive the light. And then the difference between those who will receive the light, verses 12 and 13. The culture and the world we live in and the culture and the world that's always existed, men think about darkness and light. Uh, Most people don't like walking through a cemetery at night. Uh, Some strange people, we don't want to talk about them, but you know, people don't like being in the dark sometimes. You hear a noise, there's just something innate in us that doesn't like darkness. So even the world we're in is looking for light and life. They misinterpret it in all kinds of different ways. They want the freedom to do this and the freedom to do that. They they think that if they do that, they'll be more fulfilled. This is what life really is. What you're doing is too restrictive. I don't want to hear about that, but I certainly don't want to be in darkness. And I certainly don't want to be dead. Life and light are important. And John is going to say here, life is in him. He's the light. That was born witness to. Now, the world was made by him, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own. They didn't welcome him. But, wonderfully, to as many as received him, to them, he's given authority to be the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. He says that's not by 
the will of man by blood. He says not by the will of the flesh, not by the will of man, but of God. So he, he takes us through this incredible process as he moves on here. And he tells us this in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now you'll notice from verses 1 down to verse 4, you have this word was five times. And when it says in him was, it is in continuance. In other words, it always was that way and it always will be that way. In him was, always was, and always will be life. And the life was the light, was in continuance, continuance the light of men. Look, it doesn't say through him is life and light. It says in him. He's the word. He was with God. He was God. There wasn't anything that was made that wasn't made by him. He's the creator. And because he's the creator, which means he existed before time, before light, before life, then in him, himself, is life. And that life was the light of men and in continuance. Light is not, and life is not interpreted properly by the world that we live in. Sadly, people are in darkness. And it is our privilege to let the light of Christ shine from our lives to a lost world. And the light and the life they're looking for, it says here, is in him. In him was in continuance life. It was there. Before he made anything. And the life was in continuance the light of men. Life is strictly in him. John will tell us this as he takes us through the gospel that he's written. He says this in chapter 5. He says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Not through, but in. So life itself is in Christ. He was before anything was. Everything was made through him. He's the word. He's the creator. He is himself the life. It's in him, the way, the truth, and the life. And that life is the light of mankind. And he tells us then this, and the light, verse 5, shineth in Darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. The life shineth in the darkness. What he does now is he makes an interesting transition. All along he's been talking to us just for the mere mortal, which I'm one of those, but I do appreciate this. He's been speaking in the imperfect tense. In the beginning was in continuance. Always was and always will be. The word, all those wases. Now he switches from the imperfect tense to the perfect to the present tense and he says the light is presently shining in the world. He's not talking about what was or always was. He says right now that light verse 5 shineth is presently shining in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth your translation might say apprehendeth the Greek phrase is most often used to translate grab or seize 
or take hold of. The idea is that darkness never quenches it. Darkness never shuts down light. It, the opposite is true. If you, uh, no sense going into your room at night, if it's dark in there, take your baseball bat and beat the darkness. I'm going to beat the darkness or you'll swing till you drop over. The easiest thing is reach over to the switch and turn on the light and the darkness is gone. Right? You and I are not in this world to fight the darkness. We have to be careful. We're here to turn on the light. We're not here to fight the darkness. We're here to turn on the light. Look, when there's complete darkness, you can light a candle over a mile away and it's clearly seen because in complete darkness, all you can see is the source of the light, whatever it might be. In complete darkness, the source of light becomes abundantly clear. We get freaked out about where everything's going. Listen, think of Christians in China today, Red China. Think of Christians in the Muslim world. Think of Christians in India, in South America. The vast percentage of the population of Christianity on this planet lives in persecution. It's a normal part of the Christian experience. We think here, we hear in the news, can't get toilet paper. Lord, get us out of here. Blow the trumpet. We can't get toilet paper. Rapture us. You know, we just, we have such a different, you know, the, the, the world is darkness. That's all there is to it. The world is darkness, and we're not here to fight that, he's telling us, but we're here to bring light. That's what we should be doing. The light right now is shining. No matter what people say, they can't escape it. It says it's shining in every man. It is shining through creation. It is shining through the Word of God. It is shining through the Spirit of God. It is shining through... The, the person of Jesus Christ, it is inescapable. There is light. You have to decide what you're going to do with light, but there's no absence of light. In fact, it says that darkness here can't apprehend or can't overcome the light. That's why the world we're living in is so antagonistic to you and I. Because we represent Jesus. If Jesus was here, they'd just crucify him. He's not here, so we suffer in some ways in his place. Not that our suffering takes away sin, but we're the target they can see. And we have light. We know where we came from. We know where we're going. We understand who we're accountable to. We know heaven. We know hell. We know sin. We know morality. We know marriage. We know the world. We know because we're in the light. And the world that's in darkness hates us because of that. But understand, darkness can't put the light out. Darkness can't quench the light. It may beat us, put us in the who's gal, but the darkness can't overcome the light. The light, because the light is the word, and the light is the creator, and the light is life itself, and the spirit of God, he's going to tell us in chapter 16, is in the world, convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. That's inescapable. Creation itself, somebody can say they never heard of Christ. It doesn't matter 
There is enough testimony, we're told in Romans 1 and other places, in the creation, Psalm 19, that it speaks to the heart of man and makes him realize there's order. That a human being, whether he wants it or not, can look into the stars at night and he kind of goes, whoa, who's up there? That's inescapable. And the world we're in is trying to get away from it. He's going to tell us in, in verses 10 and 11. Some people reject it. Some people don't recognize it. He's going to say, but there are those who do. And that's where he's going to take us. He says, the light is presently shining. It's presently shining in the darkness. And the darkness can't do anything about that. Now, he switches now from the divine to the human. Charles Spurgeon says now he dips his quill in a different inkwell. And he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John is thinking back. He remembers following the Baptist. He was probably maybe 15 years old then, 16, and he becomes a disciple of John the Baptist. I'm sure that Zebedee, his dad, was not happy that he had left the fishing business and was trouncing around, uh, you know, with some hippie eating grasshoppers and wild honey and screaming at the political powers. Uh, and John was in that. And 90 years old, he's thinking back. And he remembers this man, John the Baptist, who he had followed, who Jesus said was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Samuel, by the way, who was a Nazarite, was the first. John the Baptist, who was a Nazarite, was the last. Only three lifelong Nazarites in the scripture. Samson, who just bungled it up and did a bad job at it. Samuel, who was true to that. And John the Baptist the first and the last prophets of the Bible. Jesus said, among those born of women, women, there hath not risen a greater than John. It tells us here he was a man. He wasn't what the word was. He wasn't what the light was. He wasn't what the creator was. He was a man. It says, but he was a man sent from God. Now, you can't be sent from God unless you're spending time with God. Pray for me. I feel guilty when I should be. I should be spending much more time in prayer, sitting at his feet than I do. Because you can't be sent from God unless you're spending time with God. And John's in a dark world. Herod, Caesar, Rome, immorality. Pharisees, Sadducees, he has to step into that world, John the Baptist. And he's sent from God to do that. And look, he is a priest. His father, Zacharias, was a priest of Aaron's line. John the Baptist has those two things cooking in his life. He's both a priest and a prophet. He's a priest and he's a messenger. If you're a priest, it's much more easy because you have prayers written out for each of the feasts. Your duties are written out. You have prayers for weddings, prayers for birth. You have prayers for all these different things. The the law tells you how to sacrifice, what to sacrifice for what thing, what time to be there, what time the morning sacrifice is, what time. If you're a priest 
Everything's written out. If you're a messenger, you wait until you're told what to say. It's vastly different. Look, you and I are sent to this generation like Esther. We have to be men and women sent from God to bear witness of the light. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. It tells us this in chapter 3. It says, He that believeth on him, Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Now listen. That light is come into the world and men loved, that word is agape, the verb form, men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that uh, doeth evil, listen, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doth come to the light, that his deeds, he that does come to the light comes that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought, and that's by God. So it tells us clearly, look, there are people that are dedicated to darkness. They're committed to it. I'm going to have my way with my boyfriend or girlfriend or other. I'm going to have my way with alcohol or drugs. I'm going to have my way with money. I'm going to have my way with power. The world is not run by governments. It's run by multinational corporations. There are billionaires who think they're smarter than you are, giving orders to everyone, and that is a world of darkness because they're not in the light. They're in the darkness. So no matter what they do, it isn't in the light. And the darkness hates the light. They want to shut the church up. They don't want any of you coming from God to bear witness of the light. John the Baptist was a man sent from God, human, just like us, sent from God. And his deal was to bear witness to the light. You and I are not here to tear down political governments. We're not here to go to war with a world that's perishing. We're not here to deal with mandates and politicians who are going to blow away like dust in the wind. We're not here to, to you know to take this person and to identify them and expose them, they're going to die. And when they die, they're going to be lost if they don't have Jesus Christ. Our responsibility in this present world is to bear witness of the light. We're the only light in the world. We're the only salt and the only light on planet Earth. And this miserable, dark world has no hope without Jesus Christ and his gospel. And God has chosen, he's chosen you and I to bear witness of the light. Life. People don't like darkness. They want life. They're striving for it. They just don't know where to look. They just don't know where to look. It tells us here that he came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men, through John's testimony in his day, might believe. This is one of John's great words. Ninety Over 90 times in John's gospel, he says we need to believe. Some Context sometimes determines it. It is used negatively in a few places. But 
He said the reason he wrote the gospel, John 20, 31, is that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that believing you might have life through his name. He said the very reason he wrote this record is so you and I can believe. Over 90 times in the gospel, the word believe, not one time is the word faith in John's gospel. Over 90 times the word believe is in here. It's something he wants us to do. He says, he was not that light, John the Baptist, but was sent witness, sent to bear witness of the light. John was there, a teenager, when he saw him point the finger and say, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world will come there if the Lord tarries. It's in this chapter. The rate we're moving, that could be years from now. But he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. It is inescapable. It, was, it, it is inescapable. All men are exposed to that light in different ways. Now, verses 10 and 11, he begins to tell us how humankind, Israel, responds to that light. He says, he, the word, the creator, the light, the life, he was in the world, the cosmos, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. So he was in the world, it says. Um, John is one of his favorite words as well, cosmos. But his context always determines what it means. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So there, God so loved the world, the world of mankind, of humankind. Uh, John will write in his first epistle that if we love the world, then there's no room for the love of the Father in us because the world is filled with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He warns us not to love the world. In First John, he said, anyone who has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and doesn't care for him, how does the love of Christ dwell in him? There he's talking about material things. Sometimes he uses this word to describe the, the world that's lost and in darkness. And sometimes he uses it to describe the world of humankind, which he does in this verse. He said he was in the world. Now he's talking about a world that can know. So this is the, the world of humankind. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. So here, you know. He walks through the fields of Galilee, picks a flower, a lily, or a blade of grass, knows photosynthesis, knows the seeds bringing to life, knows the molecular makeup, knows every atom, knows the Sea of Galilee, every bit of its depths and shallows, knows every fish, knows every pebble on the bottom, knows he's walking through Galilee and the world he created is rubbing shoulders, farmers, fishermen, rubbing shoulders with the word, the creator, the light, with God. And it says he's unrecognized. They don't know him. It isn't that he was unknowable. Because the demons knew him. They screamed out who he was. The wind and the sea knew him. He listened. They listened to him when we told him what to do. The dead knew who he was. They listened when he told Lazarus and Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son to get up. They got up. The donkey knew him. 
last great testimony against mankind, the donkey upon which no man ever sat, let Christ get on him and ride into Jerusalem. It isn't that he's unknowable. It's just men are looking for life and light in all the wrong places. He came into the world, the creator, the word that he made. The world was made by him. He was unrecognized, unrecognized. Then he came to his own, verse 11, certainly speaking of Israel. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. It's interesting, Isaiah tells us this, Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass knows his master's stall. But Israel doth not know. My people do not consider. He came to his own. They had centuries of testimony of the prophets. They had David's songs that they sung, singing of the Messiah. They had John the Baptist bearing witness to his imminence here. They had creation. They had light. The Jews. He came unto his own. And it hasn't changed, by the way, has it? And his own received them not. Now look. Verse 12 starts with one of the great words in the Bible. But. Which means forget everything I've said. Charles Spurgeon said, look. We don't get saved in crowds. That's what it's saying here. The light shines to each man. We get saved one by one, even if we're in a crowd. You get saved one by one. Billy Graham is the one who said that the vast majority of people are saved. are not saved at evangelistic crusades. They're going to be saved one by one as a friend witnesses to them or leads them to Christ. We get saved one by one because broad is the way, Jesus said, that leads to destruction. And many there be that go thereon. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you need to listen because John now is going to say, here's the prescription. Here's the points. Here is how being saved takes place. This is what happens in the heart and mind of a human being for their destiny to be changed. You're listening on the radio or whatever. This is important. If you're not a believer, please listen to what John prescribes. This last living eyewitness, as the Lord has him put his quill to the page, he says this, but as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He uses three verbs there that describe the process that's necessary to take place. And look, John knows, but as many, he's 90 years old. The Christian community is numbered in the millions by this time, spread through the known world. Spread through the known world. 
he says, but art the world didn't receive him, his own didn't receive him, but as many as is the same phrase as whosoever believeth, whosoever, but whosoever receives him, to them gave he power is authority, the privilege, the right to become sons is children, born ones of God. Even to them who believe on his name. So he says there's three things necessary. There is to believe, there is to receive, and then there is to become. We are responsible to be involved in the first two. You don't receive first, then believe. The, the chronological order is you believe first, then you receive, and then God says, become, which is pa- passive. You don't have anything to do with being born again. He does that. You didn't pick your first parents. You didn't decide what family you wanted to be born into. You didn't look down from somewhere and say, they got Alexis, I'm going there. Right? You didn't have anything to do with that first process. You don't have anything to do with the spiritual process either as far as God's side. He says that these are the things that are necessary. First, he says, believe. Necessary. So again, so, so interesting. This is the center of his book is believing. And he tells us our belief has to be on his name. The Greek phrase there, onama, the name. And to the Jew and to the Greek, the name was not just indiscriminate. You know, Abraham called his son Itzhak because Sarah laughed when she heard God say they had a child in their old age. Isaac means laughter. Jacob, you know, heel catcher. I mean, you just go through the names in the Old Testament. And it was the same with some of the Greeks, that the name meant something. The angel, Matthew 1.21, comes to Joseph and says, You shall name him Yeshua, because he shall save his people from their sins. His name is going to be Joshua. The Lord has become our salvation. The reason his name is going to be Yeshua is because he shall save, notice, his people. Not all the world, not all the Jews, his people. From their sins. Wonderfully, his people have sins. I qualify. That's how I got in as a sinner. He says here the first thing that an individual needs to do is believe. You don't have to sign anything, you don't have to join anything, you don't have to hand in a resume. You don't have to go through some kind of class. It says here all you need to do is believe on his name. Number one, Jesus. Number two, it says then you receive him. It means to take to yourself as many as have received him. And look, in that process, you're not saying, I believe Jesus is a savior. That's not receiving It's not even, I believe Jesus is the Savior. Probably people come to this church who probably believe Jesus is the Savior. doesn't mean they're saved. You're not saved until you say, Jesus is my Savior. Not Jesus is a Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is my Savior. Then you've received. 
you first believe, then you make them your own. Died for my sins. I'm the one who hung them on the cross. Not the Jews, not the Romans. I put them there. My sins put them there. Isaiah says, God the Father laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity of us all. Isaiah says, who hath believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's going to grow up before the nation like a root out of dry ground. There's no beauty. There's no comeliness. He, he's a carpenter. There's anything that we would desire of him. He's from Galilee. Are you kidding? The Jews had all of the testimony of Scripture and of Psalms and of John the Baptist, but he wasn't the kind of Messiah. They had no use for him. They wanted a political Messiah to deliver them from the politics of Rome and Herod so each one could sit under their vine and their fig tree. Look, you and I have to be careful about that. Our Messiah, if I say he's my Savior, he didn't come to deliver me from Washington or from politics or from everything going on around us, mandates. We think, ah, oh, we need somebody, the person we're going to look for, we're going to vote for, they're going to set us free from all this. No, no, no. That's not your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is in the mirror. Go home and take a look if you don't believe me. And inside of that, Jesus said, you know, you have heard it hath been said of them of old, thou shalt not kill. I say in your heart, if you're angry at your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. The Old Testament says thou shalt not commit adultery. I say to you, if you've lusted after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Our problem is not fighting the world around us. Our problem is receiving Christ as our personal Savior. Not a political deliverer, but a deliverer from hell and death and from darkness to bring us into the marvelous light. Amen? So he says there, these are the, these are the steps. This is what's necessary. First of all, believe. And it's Jesus. John uses the name Jesus 247 times in his gospel. Matthew uses the name 151 times. Mark uses the name Jesus 13 times. Luke uses the word Jesus 88 times. John uses the word Jesus 247 times. And that's who we have to believe in. His name represents who he is and what he does. And then we receive him to be our own privately, to be my Savior. If we believe and if we receive, that's our part, then God looks at us and he says, become. Become. Tells us down in verse 13, which were born, that's aridus passive. You don't have anything to do with that birth. Any more than you had anything with your first birth. He's going to tell Nicodemus, one of the great teachers of Israel, are you the master in Israel? You don't understand this? A man has to be born again from above, anothen, to see the kingdom of God. Here it says, if we will believe and we will receive, then he gives us the authority, the privilege to become the born ones of God even to those who believe on his name. It's what he does then. We don't deserve it. 
We don't earn it. He gives the privilege, exousia. He gives the right. He's the one that bestows that because we have believed and we have trusted a sacrifice beyond any of our imaginations. God loved his son more than anyone has ever loved anyone else. And he restrained himself as his son was beaten beyond human recognition, as Isaiah 52 says. As he was brought as a lamb before her shears is dumb. God the Father restrained himself. As his own son screamed, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God the Father restrained himself. That's a love. And he says, if you'll believe and if you'll receive the Savior, my son, as your own, then you become. I'll write a big become over you. Then you become. Through the right, through the privilege, through the authority that I give, one of the born ones of God, even to them that believe on his name, now it tells us, which were born, passive, which came to life, not of anything of ourselves. And he says three knots, not nor nor. It's not of blood or bloods. The idea is it doesn't have anything to do with heritage. It doesn't mean to do with physical descent. You know, the Jews took great pride and they were children of Abraham. John the Baptist said, then bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Think not to say in your hearts we're children of Abraham. God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He said, this new birth, it's not by physical descent. That's not, it's not by lineage. It has nothing to do with that. He said, it's not by the flesh, nor the will of the flesh. There's any, it's not by carnal desire. It's not by religious performance. It's not by joining or signing. It isn't anything that you can do in the will of the flesh to bring it about. And then lastly, he says, nor is it by the will of man. Man there, by the way, is husband or male. The idea it is it's not born out of the, the normal desire that a man has from his wife that bring forth then life in birth. It's not by the will of man. Not this birth. It's not how it happens. But it ends, we have another great but there. But God. That's how it happens. God. So look. John's formula. John's picture. He says this. The light has come into the world. Those who sat in darkness, he says, of Galilee have seen great light. He says, the problem is people don't come to the light because they love darkness. They're committed to it. And if they come to the light, it exposes what they're doing as sin, as error, as darkness. Men don't want that. They'd rather hate the church, hate God's people. Listen, anti-Semitism is satanic. They hate the Jewish people because of the one true God that they believe in. They hate the Jewish people because Jerusalem is the city of the great king. And they can't change that. The Antichrist is going to try to put himself there. It's never going to happen. Never going to happen. 
There's darkness and there's light. The world's striving after life, doesn't know what life is. Striving after light, doesn't know what light is. You and I know life and light are in our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. He made everything. He's the Word of God. Some people just don't recognize him. Came into the world. world was made by him. The world didn't know him. Came onto his own. In his own, they received him not. He was unwelcome there. But to you and I. Amazing? But. That's where you and I live. But. Who'd have ever thunk it? Look at this crew here. Who'd have ever thunk that? But to as many as receive him, to them he grants, he gives the authority to become the children of God. And that birth has nothing to do with lineage, blood. It has nothing to do with will, the will of the flesh, any carnal performance. It has nothing to do with the will of the husband, the desire of the husband. This birth is the birth but God. Great bumper sticker, by the way. Great hoodie, but God. People are going to say, what does that mean? Then you get to tell them the whole story. You know, okay? So you're here today. You don't, Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's end. Read ahead, please. Um, next week, coming weeks, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, glorious of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Please read ahead. Uh, but today, let's 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 close. Let's bring our hearts before Him with thanksgiving, and and let us be sent from God. Let us be men and women that really can say that we have been in His presence, and we come forth from that place to to bring light to a lost and dark world. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, listen. You want life? It isn't in all the stuff that's being handed to you. You want light? You're not going to find it in darkness. The Bible says if you want light and life, you believe, then you receive, then you experience. That's the way it goes down. And you are not disqualified in any sense. God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his son to die in your place so you could be forgiven. If you don't know him today, when we end, we just encourage you to come forward. We'd love to pray with you, give you a Bible, give you some literature to read. We don't want your number, your, you know, your email or anything. We want something for you, not from you. Lord, I know you've overheard who put these things before you. Lord, and as your sons and daughters, let us walk in the light. Let us come from your presence. Lord, as Moses came from your presence and the light shone upon his face, let us come from your presence. Lord, let us be radiant, Lord. Let us in this dark, lost world be, be Lord, the, the, the ones who communicate the truth, Lord, the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, for any that are here that have never come, Lord, that are listening, help them, Lord, by the conviction of your spirit, make that decision. Lord, you said no one comes unless the Father draws them. Draw them today, Lord. We put this before you. We pray in your name. Amen.